What's going on, everybody? This is Not Another Football Podcast. Welcome back. We're your hosts, Greg, Mike, and JP. And I have to say, it's good to be back. I missed you guys last week. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. It was. It's good to have the, the full band back together. Um, there's been a lot of news. Um, a lot of things have happened in the last two weeks since you've been on the pod. And it's just, I feel like it's been a an avalanche, a proverbial avalanche of just content and news and things happening left, right, and center. Um, there's one thing I want to, I want to talk about real quick. Cause I have a bone to pick with one, uh, Greg Curtis. If you text me about Sam Shocker. Donald one more time, we're going to have <laughs> issues. Well, have him stop playing so damn good and, and getting dubs for you guys. And I'll stop talking about him. They cut their backup for him. I saw. Yeah, they traded Baker for him. Like, come on, JP. No, no, first off, hold on. He did not trade Baker Mayfield. He was released. Two, Sam Darnold had a total of 175 passing yards and a win. The offensive line won that game. Because we're we talking to Ravens fans, no sympathy. Yeah, that's it's a good that's a good output for a quarterback through the air. Well, yeah, we we actually have wide receivers, unlike y'all. So my point being. That's not a win for for Sam Darnold. We we had an entire set where our offensive scheme was let's put eight offensive linemen on the field and then just run the ball. They literally called it the Arby's package. So if I get another text about Sam Darnold, we're gonna have issues. Okay, uh, I don't know though, man. I'm I'm, I'm all for uh, Mac Darnold's, and uh, he he is a game manager for you guys. But I mean, hey. Baker wasn't winning that for you. I don't think PJ Walker was either. So what what did Darnold do? He put on the pants and he got that dub. He went in to Seattle. He got that dub. I don't I can't with I can't. I can't with you. Sam Darnold. But don't worry everyone. We'll share when JP finally gets on the bandwagon and starts talking good about Sam Darnold in about 5 weeks. It's not going to happen. I, honestly, I don't really even care how Sam Darnold does, but just the fact that I know how much it bugs you at this point, I love it. I yeah, simply I, I, love it. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <sighs> Mike, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. Um, I do have to, to give a quick uh, rest in peace to Mike Leach, coach from college football, who I think has been pretty foundational in, in changing the, the sport at many different levels. Um, an unfortunate loss for the, for the sport. Um, other than that, doing, doing well, uh, enjoying the new job, working through, um, life's up and ups and downs, which is always easier when I have friends like y'all in my corner. So, um, you know, keeping on, keeping on. How about you guys? What's up with you, Greg? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm great. Um, I'm happy that we got our Madden league or franchise backup as the reigning back to back to back champ. Um, it's almost like you guys didn't want to play anymore. That's why we had so, so long in between, but now we're up and running. I I mean, I'm good. Christmas is next week. Like, or no, it's in two weeks, man. It feels like next week. I'm just in the Christmas spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm so damn happy. Um, man, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm I'm so excited. You you know what? I'm also really glad that we got our franchise back and running because you were the one ducking the, the postseason for so long, but you know what? It's a new time. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Greg Greg Curtis. Um, I'm excited that we're getting this back up and running. 
I think I'm also more excited because Friday I take off and I'll be in Charlotte for the weekend to see my Panthers play for the first time at home. Very excited about that. See your boy Sam Darnold in person. I'm sorry. More of, you set me up for this. Like, what do you what I, do you expect? I, we were gonna have to talk about it regardless, so I figured we might as well just get it over with now. So, hopefully, let all the Darnold jokes fly. Hopefully, I'll send you a picture of a one-sided loss for you guys. That was rough. Yeah. What? What? Who are they playing this week? The Steel. The Steelers. Yeah. What Steeler is gonna set a franchise record on you guys this week? Uh. <laughs> Is it going to be TJ Watt on the sacks or <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, is it going to be Trubisky looking like a franchise quarterback? I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Mike, I know you had a question of the day to, uh, for this week. Uh, what's your question? I did. I also had a, a noisy neighbor knocking to come in here. Isn't that right? Little boy. Um, so my question of the day is World Cup themed, as we've been kind of going along in parallel with the, the ongoing World Cup. Um, so I wanted to ask, which NFL team do you think would make the best soccer team? And now, of course, keep in mind that the best NFL teams won't always equate to the best soccer teams. There was Before we get into this, there was one thing that really bugged me about this World Cup season. People saying that the, that Team USA, if they had players like LeBron and other basketball NFL players, they would have been sweeping the sweeping the rest of the competition. And unfortunately, that's just not true. The there's very different style of, of play one, but also athleticism required for each one. Um, but I, I'm interested to hear who you guys think uh, in their current constitution would make up a, uh, a good soccer team. Hmm. This is, this is a very intriguing question because you need a team that can provide a lot of gadgets, that can do a lot of things. Um, so my answer to this is going to be the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I think that they're with the, uh, the depth that they have with all of their offensive skill players, with McCaffrey, with Ayuk, with Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle. Like You have players all throughout, and even looking at like people like Fred Warner, um, Jimmy Ward, all those players that they have that can just do so many different things. The the real fun part of watching how this would translate would be you have to be able to, to do both. You have to be able to push the ball forward and play offensively and then also be able to backtrack and play defensively. So I think the team that has the widest array of talent that can fit in different in different slots I'm, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think that's a, that's a really good one. Um, and I'm going to get to Greg here uh, to hear who, which team you, you like in this. Um, I will just say, just, just keep in mind that it's not necessarily going to be like the lightest weight team either. So when you look at some skilled players like on the Dolphins, who I thought was going to be JP's uh, instant go-to with Tyreek on the corners, um, I don't know if, if that all computes. Speed doesn't necessarily mean everything, especially when it comes to to playing soccer. Like you need you need skill. You need obviously not saying that Tariq is not a skilled player. Obviously, he's one of the best wide receivers in football. But you need to have that balance to be able to kind of do a little bit more than just be faster than everyone else. Yeah, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins on this one. I just think that their speed is just unmatched uh, against anyone on the pitch. 
and they'll just be blowing by all everyone else. And it's just, it's almost just like Randy Moss back in the day, put your arm up and just, you know, throw the ball. Tyreek just kicks the ball down the field, outruns everyone, gets a couple goals. Um, you don't have Tua ruining the game for them. So you can put him somewhere on the field that uh, he, I don't know, like maybe, uh, you know, m- midfield where he could, um, you know, just stay there. Don't do anything. You won't ruin this game for us. You're also not going to win the game for us. So um, pretty much relates to uh, the actual Dolphins. And, you know, uh, their coach, McDaniels, will will scheme some things up for them to um, to get some wins and they'll be flashy. But, yeah, give, give me Waddle and, and Hill and, man, hoisting that World Cup. Thanks, Ted Lasso. <laughs> I think those are those are some pretty good choices. Um, I don't know if any NFL team would really be super great um, playing playing soccer. The I think the the greatest skill that I see across both sports is contact balance, um, and I'll explain that a little bit. So, in football, we say a skill player or position player has good contact balance when they can get hit and it doesn't immediately knock them over. They're able to balance themselves after taking contact. Now in soccer, as we've seen throughout this world cup, it's been getting incredibly physical. Um, And so as you're a player making a break towards the goal or the end zone, and someone tries to intercept or disrupt, disrupt your path to the goal, being able to kind of shake that off and continue playing and continue having uh, control of the ball is very important. So um, laugh all you will, but I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Um, and <laughs> I see all of you rolling your eyes, but at least I had a team, Greg. Um, I'm going to go it, ahead and say I had a team. I said, yeah, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so mm-hmm, confounded. Mm-hmm, I'm so mm-hmm. confounded. How did we end up back here? Well, because players who came back to the Ravens recently, JK Dobbins has incredible contact balance and watching him play is you can roll your eyes all you want. Look at the tape. Um, how's that? How's that contact balance with that? With those ligaments? They don't. They don't well, seem very. They don't seem very. Didn't watch the, clearly didn't watch the game last week. Um, Two so, words, JP. The organization. It's culture. It's guys, a culture pick. Are you, the culture. Are you guys done? Are you Do guys it done? for the culture. Fine. Go. Go ahead, Mike. One more. Any? Any more? Last call. Flock up, yeah. Ravens Nation. All right, let's fly. Now we're on the league news. We had a lot of injuries this week. A lot of big, a lot of big names going down. A lot of serious injuries that are really going to shake up the playoff contests and people's job security. Um, I'm going to rattle off some of these ones that are a little bit more important um, because we have a lot this week. It was a it was kind of a bloody Sunday, um, and for some, a bloody Monday. Um, Kyler Murray going down, torn ACL, out for the season. So um, if you're looking for a new Twitch streamer to watch, hit him up. Tyler Huntley, um, concussion issues. Looks like he might be back for Saturday. Um, Trey Hendrickson, for the defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, broke his wrist. Played throughout the majority of the game on that broken wrist, which I'm not quite sure how that's going to factor into his availability moving forward. Um, Russell Wilson out with a concussion. The first good game he's had all year offensively, and he leaves the game early with a concussion, which is... It hurts to see Tavon Walker with an ankle injury. Mike White, um, his ribs might actually be made of funfetti at this point because it, the way he was getting hit in the pocket was absurd. 
Um, his the counterpart uh, on his defense, Quinn Williams, going down with a calf injury, and then it seems like everyone in that Steelers game playing for the Steelers got a concussion. It it, it seemed like a lot, um, and then the last more egregious injury of the of the week was the Debo Samuel injury. Luckily, it seems that he's kind of been able to escape that without any major ligament damage. It seems like he'll be back in about three to four weeks. So right in time for the last game of the season, or if they are able to clinch up that clinch up that playoff spot, they might rest him for that last week and just hold on to him for, uh, for the, the, the wild card round. So fellas, let's break these down a little bit. Which one of these injuries for you? And we'll, we'll go one each. Do you think it's going to have the biggest impact for, uh, for the rest of the season playing out the way it will. I got to go Tyler Huntley. No, um, I actually think <laughs> that the Trey Hendrickson injury is going to be the most impactful for the Bengals. I think that they were coming into a, a kind of a tough stretch um, of, of teams and uh, beyond just division play. I think he um, was really the heart and soul of that defensive line. And they have like, a, they have a lot of good dudes um, on their, on their defense. However, I, I feel as though he, was really the nucleus for that for that defense and, and helping everyone to um, be in the right position to uh, lean on each other and, and really create what their defense was able to able to do this year. So I'm interested to see how that affects them. Um, Greg, how about you? Who do you think here uh, on this list probably has the greatest impact on on their team moving forward? Uh, I'm going to take it to the offensive side of the ball. And it's it's not just because he's a quarterback, but it's because of kind of who he's who he's replaced. And, and, and that's Mike White. Though it seems like he'll be ready to play and he can continue to play the rest of the season. Obviously, with, phys- uh, with football being such a physical contact sport and uh, with the season getting late into the season as it is and the Jets, you know, in that playoff push, uh, the colder weather hurts you know, every hit just feels that much worse and uh, your body stiffens up a little bit more. So the ribs, you know, you need your, I mean, it just kind of sounds stupid saying, saying this, but like you need your, your, your midsection, your, your ribs to, to, to be able to throw the ball, you know, as much as they do and, and to be able to put the team on their back. And um, this late in the season, I know Wilson has kind of started for them and, and uh, white just, kind of took the reins within the last like three weeks, but he's actually pushing, you know, pushing that offense and he's being productive. And and that is why, even though they've lost the last two games, I think he is, I mean, other than their defense, he's what's kind of keeping them in games and actually like allowing them to, to be a threat and moving the ball and actually um, getting the receivers involved because with at least Wilson, it's just, you know, uh, bad pass after bad pass, not seeing open receivers, handing the ball off defense, doing everything with, with white in the game, at least you can actually, you know, the defense can actually, you know, kind of rest for a minute and not saying that they can give up points, but they, their margin of error is just so small already. So you take him out if he's hurt. Um, I think that really hurts them, especially because they're, they're in the hunt, you know, they're right there for the playoffs. So um, this late in the season, it doesn't, that doesn't help. I'm going to go in a different direction for this. Um, and this is going to sound really weird. So just hear me out here. I, I put this in the group chat yesterday, but I think that the Kyler Murray injury is going to have the biggest impact on the Cardinals in a different way. 
I think this allows for Cliff Kingsbury to scapegoat his poor performance of a season. And I think it's going to allow him to keep his job. I'm very interested in how they address this moving forward. But I think being able to write off uh, Kyler had an injury. You know, we didn't have Deshaun. We didn't have Deshaun Watson or Deshaun DeAndre Hopkins. Sorry. Other person that was suspended for part of the season. Um, we didn't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. You know, it was just a it was just a, a bad luck season. And, you know, I'll be back next year bigger and better than ever. I, I do think that the team needs a change in head coach. But we talked about this a couple weeks ago of who's on the who's on the, the hot seat. I do think that this injury allows for Cliff Kingsbury to kind of scapegoat off of that. And then it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens. So I think that this is this injury to Kyler Murray has bought him a lot of time. Greg, I know you have something you want to bring in here on, so go right ahead. But could So I hear what you're saying, but can I also argue against that, that it's so late in the season that the body of work is already there through this. I mean, it's a, what, three games left that he went down, even if you were to win out the rest of the season. And um, with Kyler there, you weren't going to make the playoffs with your record, unfortunately, at what, like four and nine at this point. So if I'm the owner, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that he went down late in the season, but I have 14 weeks of performance from you. And it, this is what you gave me, especially building off of last year. So that to me as an owner, I'd look at that and be like, uh, that's no excuse. If it happened within the first, I would say the first month of the season. Absolutely. But the last four games of the season, I, for me personally, I can't give Kingsbury a, a pass. No, I, I could definitely see that. I just, for some reason, like in the way that the, the organization has run and how much leeway they've given him already, I do see them saying, Oh, we'll give you one more year. This is going to be your last chance. So I can see it happening each way, but I, I think that the organizational history is going to point more towards Arizona finding a way to use this as a scapegoat for Cliff Kingsbury to continue to come back next year. I mean, if anything, he he could still get fired next year, but I think he did. Yeah, maybe this has worked his way into a midseason firing and not, you know, uh, after this season. Yeah, and what I'll note too is that the Cardinals, from an organizational standpoint, aren't as quick to pull the trigger as some of the other teams in the league with as far as firing head coaches in the middle of the season. Now, in the past, they haven't uh, had unless that. they're black. Looking at you, Steve Wilkes. He got a year. He's about to it's get true. one more year in Carolina. Um, they should sign so, him long term. Okay, should and would is two different things. So, as I was saying. Look, organizations, and, and if we look at the Cardinals in the body of work they've done, in fact, have you guys been been watching HBO uh, Hard Knocks midseason? I see you both shaking your head no, and I'm going to say that I haven't either, and yet I've I peeped the first two episodes. And so it gave a little bit more inclination as to what the Cardinals are like behind the scenes as an organization, not just what they are in as everyone sees or what people see on Warzone. So – it really truly matters to them to have continuity. And so keeping quarterbacks and coaches who aren't just interim coaches is very important, has been important to them. And unfortunately at times they don't uphold their own standards that they've set. And yet how, how much lead are they going to give a head coach who 
seems not to be able to win with a team that he himself has handpicked and hand created. And so I think as we as we talk more about <clears throat> organizations, perhaps uh, from an NFL perspective, the uh, succession planning and the issues that uh, continue to to crop up with within the Cardinals organization, I think are going to end up sinking him more than any one record or any one season. Um, but so I'm seeing you have a, a something to add into here, Greg. Um, let's go. What's up? So just just speaking on injuries and, and quarterbacks, I know we touched on this last week, and um, I, I want to bring this up to you guys. Just I was thinking about it earlier. It's not something I would normally do, but I, I just want to ask and, and float it out there. With the amount of injuries that are have piled up, Kyler towards ACO, he got paid last year. I feel like he's pretty safe. Lamar got injured last week, could miss. You know, he's week to week. It's a lower body injury and everything. I just thought to myself, is it smart of Lamar to come back? I know they're in a playoff push. If that knee isn't 100%, is it something you're just like, I don't have my contract yet. I need to look out for me, number one. They haven't put any weapons around me. You know Ravens aren't going to make a playoff push. They just don't have the offensive weapons. Just real quick, is that is that just crazy to even think about? Um, and the only reason why I ask is because he doesn't have that contract. So he's playing on, you know, that fifth year. So like, is it crazy of me to just be like, maybe he should be selfish and shut it down? Two things. One, the Ravens have proven themselves an organization. Let me back up. John Harbaugh has a quote saying, what have you done for me lately? Uh, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012, it's all over the, the tape. And he says this a lot to kind of insinuate that in the NFL, it's a what have you done for me lately league. So it doesn't really matter kind of what your history is. It just matters what you're able to produce now. And looking at the Ravens offense, there is no offense outside Lamar Jackson. When he's not on the field, they have an abysmal points per game comparatively. So in an organization that has also proven with Flacco that they'll pay a quarterback if they win the Super Bowl at the detriment of the rest of the team, I think it it kind of becomes more of a toss-up than at other organizations because Lamar now has, to your point, that choice of, do I drag this out, sit out the rest of the year, come back next year with the offense healthy, everyone's healthy, so my contract year is better because of the people around me, or does he continue to show out and show that he is the reason that the offense was able to do anything beyond the coordinators. And so um, I'm actually kind of interested to, to, to see what, what he does, but I think he should come back um, and finish out, finish out the season. I, I actually disagree with you. And I do think that they have the offense to make a playoff push only because their defense can hold theoretically teams to a low points per game. So long story short. Yeah. I think he should come back selfishly as well as for his upcoming contract year professionally however i think that he has a lot more to think about than just coming back to play with his guys and to to see if the ravens can make a splash in the playoffs um but again also comparing and contrasting to last season when lamar jackson was out for a long period of time due to injury i really think that we saw their offense struggle in a bunch of close one score games uh kind of lose sorry, lose a bunch of one score close games when with him, I think that that would have been a win. So long story short, I think that he, he should probably um, nurse it to be honest. Wait, real quick. Which one is it? Is it 
he should sit or he should should play. When I said he should nurse it, that that was him sitting. So you think he should sit? He should nurse the injury. Yes. Okay. I was just because I you you said a couple things and you you very eloquently analyzed all sides of it. I was just trying to figure out what you're what you think. I he should not play the rest of the season if I'm him. Absolutely not. That offense isn't going anywhere. You have your best wide receivers out for the rest of the year. Your running backs are coming in. They're they're healthy, and then they're not healthy. They're, it's been a, a rotation. It's not worth it for him. If you're thinking long-term, I don't think that he should come back. Yeah, I kind of think that too, and I know that's a very unpopular opinion coming from Raven fans. But if I'm all for players getting paid, and uh, I don't know. it, I'm sorry, Kyler went down on a non contact injury yesterday and that very easily could have been Lamar but I'm going to follow that up though Greg if if you say that he's going to get like he should get paid do you think then that he would get paid with the Ravens if he were to do what we say and nurse his injury the rest of the year or do you think that would kind of be his early exit per se I I just think he should sit out and work on contracts with the Ravens. I mean, worse that comes of it, they franchise them next year and the year after that. But I'm sorry, I'm I'm being selfish. All right. So with all this with all this talk about injuries and everything, let's let's turn it into some let's turn it into something positive and um let's talk about just kind of some highlights uh from week 14. Um what what stood out to you guys um, or was just your favorite highlight or worst highlight for me? I don't know. Maybe it was Tom Brady losing in his hometown and, and just the way he lost. I think it was great. Um, so that that's what I'm going to say is uh, the beatdown that the Bucks got in in San Francisco. Um, take that, Skip Bayless. I'm just kidding. Um, I think it just really showed that Tom Brady is is going to leave. Um, Tampa Bay after this year. The Niners look good. I think Purdy will continue to keep them rolling. JP, you and I talked about that last week. Um, I think that was a great um, a, a great outing for Brock Purdy. Um, and I call me crazy. I think Trey Lance has something to look out for come next year. Yeah, I, I think this also, I think to putting into that, I'm going to touch on this real quick. This week showed that Shanahan's system is what fuels that offense, not the quarterback. So moving on to that, that same topic of quarterbacks and systems, one thing that I, I was wild to me, and it's the wildest storyline, even though it feels like it was forever ago, given everything that happened this weekend, Baker coming in, knowing a playbook for two days and then come leading a team back down 16 to three with four minutes left in a football game to win. That was pretty incredible. Say what you will. Like, Raiders fans are in the, are hurting right now off of that. One of you know one of my closest friends is a Raiders fan. I went to the bar to watch the game with him, and he was livid. I don't think that that's just still the wildest thing to me. You come in, you don't know anything. Um, yeah, kind of makes you about think it. why a team would just release a quarterback that could do that. Like, man, I'm just kind of thinking to myself, like, what team would let hit Baker walk? I don't know. It's a good question. It's a very good question. Looking at you, Cleveland. At least, whatever, at least they traded for someone. Um, You know, from this last week, 
I have to say, I, I saw in the previous uh, outline that you all were going to talk about the Cowboys um, and kind of play around with that a little bit. But after this last week and how they just looked awful, man, like I, I can't, it's hard to, to keep. I mean, sure, they won the game and we talk a lot in this league about how a win is a win and that's important. But man, they looked bad against the Texans. And I <laughs> I have to be honest, here I was rooting for the AFC and wanting the Texans to, to really give them that upset. But I thought that was just, I thought that was a game of the week. I thought that was an incredible situation. I thought it was a beautiful game. Um, just unfortunately, the Texans couldn't pull it out, but gave the Cowboys a run for their money. I feel like the Cowboys really play. And I feel like this is, I feel like there's always a team that does this, but it, for some reason to me, it pops up as more of a basketball saying, and I don't know why, because it, it goes across all sports. The Cowboys seem like they always, always play up to the level of their competition. More often than not. Um, or down. Yeah, they play up or down to the competition. And I think that's what the the question I asked last week or the, why people struggle with the Cowboys so much is just because some games you look super – you look what you did against the Vikings. You have that fourth quarter what you did against the Colts. And then you have that – the performance that you play uh, to last week uh, against the Texans. So that's why I'm just like, I feel like with so much up and down there, you can't, you don't know what that middle is that it's, I don't know. They're, they're so hard to root for. They're so hard to gauge because when they're good, they're good. But when they're, when they struggle, it's, it's terrible. So I don't know. They're, they're interesting. I still think they're a good team, but I don't know what to make of them. I I don't read too much into it to be honest, because we said we had the same conversation about the the Eagles right when they almost lost to the Colts and when they did take their first L of the season, everyone was like, oh my god, we're forget their, their team's not as good as they think they are. No, it's a, it's a one game sample size. I'm not going to read too much into it. We'll see what happens because you you with taking the Eagles for example, same division, almost lost to the Colts. Now they're coming out on the last two weeks and just curb stomping people. So I'm not going to read too much into it as to whether or not they're going to be a viable team. I think the only thing you can really take away from it is their run defense, which is going to be a little suspect. And they just lost another, they just lost another super important lineman this year, this week. So Jason Peters is now going to have to switch from playing left tackle to playing right to, to playing left guard now playing right tackle. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm not going to glean too much from it. My my, th- my thing, you bring up the Eagles, and I'm even though they lost that game, and I think they've had one other close game. I'm like, to me, they've just been so consistent all for for such a big chunk of the year that I'm like, okay, at least I'm getting consistency with them, and I think that's why I'm just like with the Cowboys. My biggest issue with them is just like I don't know what I'm gonna get from you, and that I don't know. It's also I think it's really funny that zeke gets interviewed after the game and his stat was like 15 carries for 60 yards and they're interviewing him and i'm just like why is this dude getting the press like i'm sorry those those numbers are those are rookie numbers you got up those you know it's who who does that and gets so gets interviewed after the game on the field tony pollard is by far rb1 in dallas he needs to get paid like i'm all for i really don't think it matters if you're rb1 or two or wide receiver one or two because he get you could just get so much playing time nowadays, but he deserves to be paid like an RB one. 
Absolutely. I've never been the biggest fan of Zeke since he was at Ohio State, but I completely agree. And I think that Tony Pollard has been outplaying him for a couple of seasons now. Um, And it's almost like the Cowboys front office has their hands tied behind their back. The other hard knocks team, of course, but had their hands tied behind their backs because they paid Zeke and they put so much effort and media and time into Zeke. And he just hasn't it. I don't think he's ever been that guy uh, personally. And so it, it, it continues to astound me that they've gotten someone like Tony Pollard to like hang around as long as they have. Cause normally you'll see a good number two backs jet off or, or go somewhere else and, and do something else. Um, Cause they, they have the ability, but uh, yeah, it, very interesting. Um, I for, think this is the him. first time. I think this is the first time for him though, that he's been able to get those, those RB one reps and the play designs designed for Tony Pollard in this way, rather than this is what we had Zeke do in in seasons past. He's had, he's had good, he's had shining moments because he's been that kind of scat back style. Um, when you say like scat a, back, what I, what I think you're, you're meaning though is replacement back or fill in back. And he has shined in those moments when Zeke has been hurt. And so I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of the rest of this, of course, but I just want to point that out that he's, he's performed admirably in Zeke's role doing Zeke's plays. Correct, but in the in the time that you know we talk about, he hasn't been performing well. The first couple of seasons where Zeke started to decline, Tony Pollard was in a situation where he was playing scat back. You're you're a third down back. You're receiving back. You you know you limited use, limited scope, limited play design. And we saw last year when Zeke was injured, Tony Pollard took over. Like these are Zeke's plays, but I'm going to shine in these replacement roles. Before that, he was in that kind of scat back role. But now, looking at it, they're designing plays for Tony Pollard. They're using him as the wide receiving, as the receiving threat that he actually is. Um, so I think it's extremely important to look at how how different he's been this season, and how it's really they're going to say it's a running back by committee, but he should be the RB one. And I would love to see Tony Pollard go to a team that's going to use him effectively in that manner. All right, boys. So this 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 brings me to a question that we've uh, have flirted with for a couple weeks now, and I'm really excited that we are finally going to get it, uh, be able to talk about this. And it's about would a draft lottery system like the NBA has work for the NFL? And for those of you who don't know, in the NBA, it used to just be well how it is in the NFL. The worst team gets the first pick. So towards the end of the year, you know, you start getting teams tanking post, you know, all-star break because you're already out of playoff contention. You're not winning the championship. Now, the, this first got brought up a couple weeks ago when Sean Payton was on the herd, and it just really got me thinking on if it could work. Um, so without, without further ado, JP, take us away. Yeah. Um, so to give context as to how it kind of works now, you are locked in at a probability. So it's all ping pong balls. You put ping pong balls in a giant machine that bounces them around. And then starting with the 15th pick, they are, you are now entered into the lottery. So depending on your record, depends on how many ping pong balls uh, featuring your name are put into the machine to be eligible right now. So there's actually a change in this system. It used to be the number one, like if you had the worst record, you got the most ping pong balls and that's the way it was. Um, 
However, recently, I believe in the last five years, they've changed the lottery probability. So the top three teams have the same exact, the bottom three teams with the top three picks, if it were the NFL, would have the same would have the same opportunity, the equal probability. So it's 14% for the top three. Um, the fourth pick in this or, in this ranking would be at 12, and the fifth would be at 10. So that's your percentage breakdowns. Do I think that this should take place? I think it I think it could be a good mix to to really shake some things up when it comes to the NFL. I I, I love it. Um this is not the system that I would I would impose if I were to kind of recreate the entire um rookie system for for the NFL, but I I do think that it could work, but it's just not my preferred method. Um Mike, I'm interested to see what you think. You know, I I am a little bit of a NFL draft originalist in the sense that I think that it should just be by record. I actually be, am upset to see teams kind of trade their first round picks. And I, I think just that the first round provides so much um, power to, I mean, I guess I, I have to back up a second because I, I, in the NBA, I feel as though there is much more parity than within the NFL. But if you took, for example, the in the in the NBA, if you took a team like the Celtics and gave them multiple first round picks over the course of a couple of years, despite their record, you might not be supporting teams that have worse records, which I think is more to the point of the NFL system is that the teams that are the worst have the most chances to become better versus it's a lottery of your worst teams to become better. And I think teams like the Browns are unfortunately great. The Browns, the Jets, the Texans are all great examples of teams that have had multiple high round draft picks that have now allowed them to a stagnate, unfortunately, but also to stagnate with a high level of talent around other positions. So while other teams are focused on building their roster through free agency and through acquisitions and other aspects, these teams just draft high every year. And so they're able to get better players over and over and over again. And eventually they rise higher within their respective divisions and therefore have a better chance of the playoffs in the NBA. I just don't necessarily feel as though it's equitable in the sense that if you were to say, have a lottery, but unfortunately, say your Super Bowl winner or however you break it down ends up getting a top 10 draft pick. That doesn't feel as fair within the NFL to the teams because you have 11 people who are playing on the field at any given time versus just having five people for the NBA when, yeah, the reality is the statistically you're not going to have five superstars, even if you do pick high time and t- year after year versus the NFL, where I feel as if you had that opportunity to pick in those higher areas or the, sorry, the chance to pick in those higher areas, you could always pick a, a great player, but yet you still find gems in the second, third, fourth rounds. Um, same as the NBA in that sense. But um, I guess I'm kind of conflicted, but at the end of the day, I'd probably keep it the way that it is so that it's just by record uh, for the first, the first round, despite having trades. I think, I think it could work. I think it would be fun. I'm kind of with JP. I wouldn't necessarily use the exact NBA model. I would make it specific to football, uh, like a, a, a draft lottery system that is um, still a lottery, but it would be bottom tier. It, it wouldn't be the entire. It wouldn't be the entire draft. 
Um, because though you've seen it over the years, do I think that teams tank every single year? Yes, to more or less degrees. There isn't always a absolute superstar like, you know, suck for luck back, you know, a couple years ago when he was coming out. Like the Colts truly did tank that year and, and for, you know, tank for Tua or Lawrence. Like, you know, teams did position themselves for stuff like that. But I don't think it's to an extent. Now, you have teams out there where I think football is – is a different sport where obviously you, you, you know, you do want to suck for a quarterback. If a generational player is coming out, like a, they say, Caleb Williams at USC is the next, you know, a, a surefire can't miss type product or player. But I mean, the Jags were terrible for years and the furthest that they went with everything was one year. They went to the AFC championship. So it doesn't necessarily result to things. I think tanking is just really hard in sports in general, because I think players don't care about tanking. Like they need to go play well. It's the coach and the organization and even coaches to a certain extent. So I, I think it would help the organization because there are, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. And I don't think every owner wants to do well. I really don't. I think it's just, for some of them, I, I think it's a status symbol, you know, like, I own an NFL franchise and I think that carries a lot of weight in certain, you know, I'll never be part of those circles, but I think it carries a lot of weight for that. So I think it could help and kind of like what we were talking about a couple weeks ago with um, relegation and, and promotion and stuff. Like if you start adding some of that stuff in, I think it only incentivizes franchises to, to play better. Um, maybe that's just me being, you know, optimistic. Um, but I think if you don't just reward the worst team for being bad and throwing a game late in the season because they need to, um, because they can. So I don't know. I think it could work. I think it would be fun. The anarchist has arrived once again. I think we should get rid of the draft. I, I don't think it should exist. I don't. I absolutely don't. And here's why. We all we pride ourselves as a capitalist society of if you can afford the best to get the best, you be the best. Right? The top talent goes to top teams. Why why am I subjugating someone who doesn't have a choice about where they go to work to go work somewhere they want they don't want to be or they don't have a say in being? Right? Get rid of the draft. Allow for teams to do their own scouting, to do their own their own research and so much of it has been about so much of it has been about protecting owners from themselves right look at the CBA the CBA that was put into place in 2011 got implemented the rookie wage scale because they wanted to protect the owners from making bad investments aka the Sam Bradford rule right if you want to if you want to win create your systems create your ideas create your your culture or whatever you want to call it to attract these players to come in. It's just free agency at a wider scale. We already basically do it. Now you're just doing it with younger players. Mike, uh, for everyone who's listening, a question in the chat was, we brought up promotion relegation in the EPL. The EPL does not do a draft. It is all recruitment, 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 dating all the way back to, for some of these players, as young as 10 to 12 years old. Um, 
when looking at things like this and you're looking at things like the English Premier League and the way that they structure it, I do think that all of it should be completely get rid of this, allow the free market to control which teams are going to be successful. And it's completely different than situations like in like in England with the EPL um, because some of those markets are designed to be feeder teams. They're designed to be teams where we go out, we hunt guys in obscure parts of the world, develop them into to rock star talents, and then we can sell them off. You can sell them off for a much higher price to increase your revenue. But in the NFL, these franchises are already enormously wealthy. Enormously wealthy. So I do think that blow it up, allow teams to, to go out there. If you think that your team has the best scouting department in the NFL, go out there, put it to work. But then you have to put in the work to sign these talents, to sign these individuals. Allow them to make the choice in where they work. Do your job to recruit more individuals, to, to build your culture, to build your environment to where people actually want to be there without having been forced to be in draft there. And I think you'll see a system that's a lot more competitive. And you don't have that tanking because you're not tank, you, you're not losing for anything. The only thing that you gain by losing is a bad reputation. So this eliminates that whole tanking concept. You have to put a good product on the field if you want more good people to more good players to come and play for your team. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it would become more like college recruiting in a football stamp from a football standpoint, um, which is interesting. Essentially. Yeah. Which is interesting because when you consider the inclusion of things like NIL and pre NIL recruiting, you saw an incredible variance of, uh, ways that teams would recruit top players to come to their to their program. I and mean, we've all seen the Miami 30 for 30 and you have homeboy Ponzi scheme captain of a yacht taking players out and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, what's to stop that from occurring then in the NFL? And, and doesn't the draft kind of formalize the entrance process of these players who are leaving college since there is a college requirement to to. Uh, play in the NFL, it doesn't mean graduation. It just means having played a couple of A or or one or two years in college, um, similar to how the NBA has recently adjusted to now making players at least go through one year of college. Do you really think that if we uh, abandon the draft system that it would um, make the league better or would it just show which owners have the most money? Well, I mean, it's, there's it's, still a salary cap, so like they would still have to structure the contracts and everything within that. But I'm not talking about the the salary cap or, or or contracts even. I'm talking about just attracting players because in college, there's really no rules around how you can get a player to think that your college is better than another college. Right. As but, an example, if between going to Ohio and Ohio State, or sorry, Iowa and Iowa State, they're just putting corn in front of you. It's not like they're, you know, there, there has to be something at those schools that attracts players there other than there's nowhere else you can go. We are a D one program versus in the NFL with even a more limited quantity of 32 teams. Would that not then kind of push the money to the front of everything? Well, I think with college, there's the facilities and the actual chance of playing for the championships and stuff like that. And honestly, we talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago. Like, honestly, some people, some kids only go to like, will go to a school because of like the jerseys are cooler and stuff like that. If it's between some, but with the NFL, it's now actually your career. Now, 
I think it would pretty much be there's one, there's still a salary cap. So the, the best team in the league can still only, I mean, they're, they're not taking everyone in the draft because you have to be around, you know, it it would be more strategic to me. Um, Facilities are pretty much even, I think it would just start feeding out some of the worst teams. No, it's, it's free agency people. That's all it is. It's just expanded free agency. So the money has always been a part of it. How can I wine and dine these players? How can I do this? How am I going to separate my facilities from someone else's facilities? We're not talking about like using educate, like state educational budgets in order to, to recruit kids, right? This is, these are billionaires with a B. You want to be a part of this exclusive club. You pay six and a half billion dollars or what's going to end up being close to $8 billion for the Washington commanders. You want to put your money in the game, put your money where your mouth is. That's exactly what it is. And there is no cap. There is no cap in your recruitment of, of free agent players. Yeah. You have tampering rules when it comes to the timeline, but you, you just basically enact those same timelines. You can still do a combine, but your, your point, what's going on here is that this draft is kind of antithetical to the way that we kind of see talent in other, in any other aspect of America. So, I don't understand why we're not just implementing what we do in every other major industry. Why are we not doing that with the NFL? Allow players to choose where they want to go. If you're good enough to attract top tier talent, you're going to get top tier talent. And if you're not, you need to be figuring out what is the way for you to get these top tier players. So fix your organization, fix your structure, fix your stadium, get rid of turf, go to grass, whatever it may be. Do something to make sure that your players are wanting to be there. You're hiring better coaches because players want to go play for the best system that's going to put them in the best opportunity to make the better, to make the best option for their career. No, I'm right there with you. I'm all for, I I think it's very unfair. I know unfair. I know fair is a very loose term, Um, but you can go, you choose literally up until college as an athlete and in everything else, you choose where you get to go, how your career is dictated. I don't, I have no problem with that. But if we keep the draft in place, how it's supposed to be, here's, here's the change I would like to see. John Elway and Eli Manning did this where they said, I'm not going to play there. And it worked out for them. I'm all for more players saying that and actually voicing, I will not play for this organization because you hear the horror stories of people playing for the Browns or the the Bengals where, you know, TJ Hushmanzada talks about it all the time. Like they had no practice facility. They had to bring like their own water bottles. They had to reuse other people's jock straps and stuff like, and cups or, you know, flying coach versus other teams flying, you know, uh, private. So I'm all for players, you know, up to the draft if they, you know, kind of like Dion also said, like, don't draft me because I will not play for you. Like, I, you know what I mean? I'm all for players saying that. Why shouldn't you have a say? Goes to what you're saying, JP. It's kind of going with recruiting. You put the best performance out there. Like, if a team is drafting at five that is actually good and you know you are a top five talent, yeah, I would, I would tell everyone, I'm not playing for you. You consistently don't put out a good team. I'm coming to the league to play to win for a championship. It's not just a payday for me. Like, yeah, the money comes with it. That's great. But I want to I want to win a championship. But doesn't that just null and void the draft? Like, what's the point of it then? If Because I don't think everyone will do it. 
I really don't. I think there's only a handful of people in the first round or just in general that will do it. I truly don't think everyone will do it. Well, we have to also acknowledge that most that, that some of these players are also finally getting to a point where they'll have, but this is again, speaking before NIL, but where they'll have the ability. Patrick Willis, as an example, if you ever watch his 30 for 30, he talks about where he came from. He talks about why he went to where he went. And then he talks about what it was like getting drafted into the NFL and finally being able to buy his own a house and do X, Y, and Z. And I think that what you're saying, at least if I'm uh, conceptualizing this correctly, is that all of that wouldn't necessarily be a part of why a player would go to a certain place because those things could theoretically be handled by the team or handled by a different organization. And so my fear here and what I'm pushing back against is without checks and balances, this simply becomes a matter of who has the most of what. And it, it, but that's not always, and I see you shaking your head, JP, but that's not always a good thing because when you have a lot of something, say money or the best facilities, that doesn't necessarily mean you treat your players or your folks the best. And I think that it, it, okay, come on in, come on in. No, but that's exactly the point. Now it's okay. But that's come exactly, on in, that's, finish. that's, ex- that's exactly the point. How? If you're not, tr- if you're not treating your employees the right way, they are not going to want to go there. That all factors into it, but let you them spend all this though, money. But you act as though spending that money won't, can't cover up the misgivings and the issues that are within the organization because you're just having to put a fresh face forward. And all people need to say is yes. Once they sign that contract, they're done. That's it. You, for lack of a better term, you the own s- them. The same. The same thing has been happening in Washington for the last twenty years, and we've had a draft system in place. But Mike, can't this, you also this, say that about normal people who aren't athletes? Like during the interview process, they sell you so hard. They give you that paper like, oh, we have all this. We have the PTO. We have all this. But then once you get in, you see how bad everything is. But up front, everything's sunshine and daisies and flowers. But once you're actually in, you're like, wow, this is this is terrible. So then why support the lying? Why support the the – why encourage these owners to – make it up and make it seem good, make it seem happy, make everyone seem okay. As an, I mean, just as an example, Dan Snyder has spent so much time making the Redskins, sorry, excuse me, the commanders seem like a great organization. And yet we had all of this stuff come out and we hear about all of these things in the back end. If, if they can't be honest up front, then what's the point? The draft system at least was a firewall between the, the, the falsity that's sold to you and the ability to, make a poor choice for the players. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that the draft exists to protect players because it doesn't. I am saying that without the ability to choose where you're going to work, you'll get a better understanding of what that work in reality is, is truly like. And so you're able to make a better decision perhaps on your next go around. Because I know a lot of folks would say, oh, I'm just going to go to the Patriots. Look at all the championships they've won. Look at how they do things. Look at the way that they've done X, Y, and Z. And yet when you're there, if you don't adhere or you don't buy into that, exact mentality you're not going to have a great time and you've seen players i hate to bring up aaron hernandez but you could see him just degrade over time because of his choices but it wasn't as though this the patriot system was there to truly support him in the way that some players would hope that a system but that's on you that's on but, you as a player not, and a person not everything here is on the players now right because i'm just arguing that we should probably support them a little bit more and the draft process allows them to experience things in a way that's structured but, versus an but it doesn't way. 
but it doesn't because you don't that player does not get the choice of where they want to go cuz if they if they see that oh this patriots life is miserable guess what you're the 16th overall pick they call you to say hey we're going to draft you here and you have to come work for us that is your choice or you don't play in the NFL like you don't get that you don't like this is where you're going to play or you do not play in this league at all but that's not true because you have undrafted free agents all the time. But you, but that's because the team did not select them. Right. But you're saying that you won't play in the NFL if you don't choose this team, and that's not correct. No, 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 no. You're not listening. Sorry, you're not understanding me. I didn't, apologize. But didn't, no, no, but didn't you, didn't you just say that, though? He did, but there's also – JP, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, if, I misspoke. Hold on. Let me allow, allow me to clear that. I misspoke here. What I'm saying is – if you are a top round, if you're a round one talent, New England picks up the phone. They say, we're going to draft you with this next pick. Either you go play in New England or you don't play because they have the right. They have your draft rights. No matter whether or not you want to show up or not. So the whole situation then becomes you either back out and you sit a year and then re-enter the draft or you take your ass to to New England and you go play there. So we're eliminating the we're eliminating the agency of these players by having this draft system. So what I'm what I'm calling for is let's allow this to be an open free market for talent much like any other position for any other corporation in America. Because by doing this it allows you that freedom as a player say you know what I'm going to do my research on this team because this is where I want to go. Let me talk to players. Let me talk to, let me talk to current players. Let me talk to former players. Let me talk to ex coaches. Let me get more of that opportunity because the draft process is completely one-sided. The organization does your, their research on you and you just hope that the one that you like picks you. And if they don't guess what you're going to somewhere else. And we've seen countless times players getting drafted into the wrong organization that ends up derailing their career and they cannot be successful in the NFL. And do you think that a player could make that same mistake? Absolutely. Of course, of course Absolutely. they can. I think JP That's- and I aren't arguing that it's only beneficial for the players. It would be beneficial for both. And I, I keep thinking of, as we're talking, all these players in the past that have done stuff like this, like Bo Jackson came out and said he's not playing, stayed, went and played baseball for a year, got drafted by the Raiders, had to take less money because I think he got drafted in what, like the third or fourth round because teams are like, well, can he even play? Is his heart even in this? You have um, like, I'm sorry, the thing that just came out and we've talked about it earlier in the year, Andrew Luck went to organization that tanked for him, put a bad product on the field. He was out of the league within like six years because his body was just so shot. And he thought he could turn around. Like, I'm sorry, players, Always, I'm sorry, you have that mindset. Players always think that they can come in and do this, like especially at the quarterback position. I can turn this team around. I can do it. I'm the one. And how often is that the truth? It, it's usually they're labeled as, you know, bus, which is very unfortunate because I don't think you – I think there's such a small limited number of people who are truly quote-unquote bus versus you were just in the wrong system or you were just at the wrong organization, because it's hard to make it to the NFL. It's hard to be good in the NFL. And so much is based off of where you go in the organization. And that's a lot with the lifespan of the NFL being so what, like five years. 
three that's to five. a lot of three to five. That's a lot of trust and confidence to put into a team. So yeah, there's got to be a healthy balance both ways. And if you choose to just take the money, you have to reap what you can, what you sow. And if you choose to to go in the draft and just say like, hey, I'm just I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna go wherever team takes me. Great, more power to you. But if you also go the John Elway route or the Eli Manning, it's like I'm not playing for you. I'm sorry, it worked out for both of them too. So their success stories both ways, and uh, that's why I'm glad we we talked about this. I was so excited that we kept this under wraps that we didn't talk about it until today on the pod. Um, man, I'm fired up about this. This this was great. I loved it. This is now my new favorite segment. Yeah, and and that's that's like that's the beauty of it all. Is like I want. Like I know we joke we joke a lot with you about this, Mike, and you're talking about like the Ravens culture and things like that. Wouldn't you like the opportunity to just to like flat out say like, "Hey, you're a young kid. You fit our style. You fit our system. We want you when you have all when you have the most miles on your body as possible to be at the peak of your of your of your prime in the NFL, and you don't have to sit here and think of like." Oh man, I really wanted Jordan Davis in the draft because he would have fit our scheme so great. But the Eagles took him right before us, and then but you could have been like, "But that happens." But, no, no. What I'm saying is, but you now have a better opportunity to go and pursue Jordan to show Jordan why. Hey, you should be here, and he gets to choose you instead of another team just swapping with a with a team that was ahead of you to to come up and jump the line. No. I would rather have the opportunity to recruit. I don't think that works, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I don't think that specific example works, and I, I just want to put a pin in that only because organizations now have the ability to do that. They have the ability to say, oh, well, you, you're a great fit here. If you ever listen to, to post-draft interviews about players and their like, interviews with organizations, there's a lot of selling going on, even though these organizations know, like, well, we could just pick you. I still, and to this day, will always remember players like, – when teams move up in the first round, it tends to be tends to be news, right? And, and teams will jump other teams and, and do all sorts of stuff within the draft. I'm not arguing that is the best way. I'm just pointing out that it would still exist, and therefore you're still within competition for 32 teams. In the with the, with the draft, it's more structured versus having carte, carte blanche to just whoever has the most money can create the the most attractive of whatever, and so. You know, I, I think we could we could to kind of to Greg's point, we kept this under wraps because we could split hairs here and, and go about this for probably hours. Um, I, the the last thing I'll, I'll say on this is that you know I don't think the draft system is is perfect. I just don't think that a system like the lottery is going to fix that simply because you're just giving teams another chance to jump other teams who perhaps are in their division or are. Uh, <laughs> sitting in their, in their path for uh, moving deeper in the playoffs. I think an example of that would be say you have uh, the Panthers and Tampa Bay both vying for one player. And suddenly Tampa Bay's owner says, all right, well, I have this mega yacht that I'm not using. I'd love to give it to a quarterback prospect coming up. And that's how we're going to use, that's what we're going to use to attract him to Tampa Bay versus Carolina, whose owner, though he is extremely wealthy from finance, might not say I have an extra yacht that I want to give up. What happens? Like, how do we regulate that? And without regulation, I think it's all all for naught. And so I would argue. Well, those are two different arguments you just brought up there. You you mix JP's non-draft with the draft lottery system. 
because the lottery system is still based off of performance versus based off records. or based I off was of trying record. to I was trying to bring us back around to the to the original point of this and and make it and marry it, but I didn't do a good job of that. Well, yeah, I mean, just based off of what you said, I was just like, yeah, I mean, like I, I get what you're saying with with the non draft, but the the lottery system is, yeah, I mean. It, there is some weight to performance where if you are just bad or record, if you are bad, you do have more of a, you, you have a better percentage of a chance to get that the best pick. Right. But if you're say the example with the NFC East with, if two teams make the playoffs with negative records and they're both bad, but one gets a higher lottery pick than the other, even though they were say, they split the season. It, it I just, I think it, it, well, at that perfect. point, it, it's still one through 16 or whatever. So all the playoff teams are taken out of the draft. Like you're not even, you're not even part of the conversation. I see. Okay. So like, yeah, it's, it, it the current playoff structure would still say the same. It would go, yes. you know, Super Bowl team would get the last pick unless you okay. have a, a traded pick. So it would just be non playoff teams are entered in the lottery system. Yeah. So, like for example, when like the my, my my fear about the trades is still is still then very valid then. Yes, sort of. Y- yes, in that way, it's just I think that the the way that it kind of works out, like when the Panthers made the playoffs and they had a losing record, we still had the twenty fourth pick in that draft that that, that right. next year's draft. Right. So it does, even though we had a, a there were teams who had better records than us that picked ahead who of were, us. Right. Who weren't necessarily better divisional placing teams. Exactly. Like there were teams who had winning records who did not make the playoffs in the AFC who got Mm -hmm. to pick ahead of us in that draft because we made the playoffs. So it's just, and the, and the lottery wouldn't theoretically be within the lottery because you made the playoffs, right? Correct. The Panthers in that situation would not be in the lottery because we made the playoffs because the lottery caps, the lottery caps at, at 15. So Mm -hmm. even if you were a team that went like, because there's 14 teams now that make the playoffs for each for in total. Right. So it'd be the top in the NBA. They do the top 15 teams or the top. Yeah. The top 15 teams um, or sorry, 14 teams. So any team that doesn't make the playoffs would be automatically entered into that lottery. So you do have the opportunity for that team that say just missed the playoffs by one game because of divisions and, and and things like that, who may might've gone 10 and 10 and six, 10 and seven. I'm sorry, 10 and seven. Um, they could still end up with an outside shot to end up with a number one overall pick. Yeah. But it's just so minuscule that it's, I believe if I'm reading this correctly, it's like point point 0.5% chance of actually getting it. Right. Not, not statistically important to, to, to the overall lottery system, which I, I totally understand. Um, and so I think that makes sense. I, so I, I think I, I stand by kind of what I, what I ended with in the, the previous rant. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with a lottery system. However, I do think that the the draft could be overhauled. Um, but yeah, good shit. I'm yeah. sorry. Good stuff. Burn it all down. Boys, it's time for primetime pick'ems. To give everyone an update in our standings, Greg and I did not have great, great weeks. Um, both of us going one for three. We uh, Greg hitting on the call for the pats over the cards but missing on everything else i the only pick i got right was my upset pick picking the jags um mike did not submit an upset pick however he did go two and one in the other three games 
So as it stands, right now, Greg has 31, 31 correct picks on the season. Mike and I are both tied at 28. Let's look to our Thursday night game. We have Niners at the Seahawks. Greg, who do you have taken home the, the Thursday night matchup? I'm going with the Niners close. I know the spread is only three and a half, but um, yeah, it might, it might just be a field goal game. Mike, who do you have? Uh, I'm also going with the Niners here, though I am also in in a, a agreement that's going to be close. We're going to sweep it here, boys. I'm also going to take the 49ers, and I don't think that it's going to be close. The 49ers' strength is their run game, and if the Carolina Panthers are putting up 250 yards rushing on you, you know you have an issue as a defense on a short week that's hard to fix. So I'm going to take the 49ers. Moving towards Sunday night, we have Giants at Washington. Mike, who do you have taken home the win? Uh, i got to go with the Giants here. I think that they were a little bit embarrassed last week, and um, so I think that they uh, get it together. Although, I will say... Man, I I know this is going to hurt JP, but Ron Rivera has really done a lot for that that organization and that program. And man, what a like stability! What what a stable ad that they made last year or uh, they made recently. So really happy with that. Doesn't hurt me one bit. I'm happy for him. The organization decided to make that decision to let him go. I didn't agree with it, but I'm happy that he's being successful where he is. Greg, who do you got? Giants, Commanders. Who's taking it home? This is a tough one for me. I don't feel confident in the pick at all, especially because when they played two weeks ago, the commanders or they tied. Um, but because it, they're at home, I'm going with the commanders. I feel like I guess I trust Heineke to put together something offensively more than I trust Daniel Jones and the lack of offensive firepower outside of Saquon for the Giants. So um, I'm going with the commanders. I'm going to go with the Commanders as well. I think that they're coming off the bye. They're a little bit healthier. The Giants are struggling with injuries. They have not gotten any reprieve. We don't know what Saquon's going to look like. He played last week but didn't look great. And that Washington defense has really stepped it up. So I'm going to go with the Commanders for Sunday night. That leaves us with our Monday night game. Rams at Packers. Baker versus Aaron Rodgers. Mike, who you got? Oh, this is this is a tough one for me as well. Um, I think it's going to be a. I'm going Packers here, but I really think that the way Baker commanded the offense for the Rams is impressive, and and a full week of practice for him will probably be be what they need. But um, going to go with the Packers defense here. So Packers. Greg, who are you taking? Uh, I think I'm. This is another one. I think I'm struggling with, and I think this could be a week where it's a. We, where we can actually see some changes in our standings. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Packers. I think Sunday night um, in Lambeau, cold winter conditions. Um, I don't think that the Rams have traveled well to uh, Green Bay over the last three years. So um, I'm going to go Packers. It's in Green, in Green Bay? Yes, it's in Green Bay. While I, I, I'm hesitant because part of me wants to be different to kind of get those points in the standings. I think I'm going to have to go with the Packers as well. I just don't trust. I don't trust that offense in LA to travel well. So I'm very curious as to see what's going to happen with that team. Um, but let's look forward where we're all going to, where we typically make the most change and most movement is our upset picks. 
So, Greg, who's your upset pick of the week? I I think I hate this pick the most out of all of them each week is the upset picks because it's completely on me to figure it out. And when you get them wrong, like you did with, like I did with the Vikings last week, even though everything told me not to JP, we talked about it. They embarrassed me again. Um, I'm one and two picking them this year. Uh, so I'm staying far away from them, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the team that beat them. And I, I think, I think I'm going with lions over the jets. I just think, uh, if I'm going up against the two offenses, we talked about Mike White being hurt. I, I think I'm going with the Lions. I hate it, but I'm going with them. I'm going with the Lions. Oh, okay. Okay. Mike, who is your upset pick of the week? Ravens. That's it. And the Ravens are a three-point dog on the road. I'm going to put my faith in a team that I don't know if I should be putting my faith in. I don't know. I don't know if I should be doing this. But for some something about this... Tells me this is going to be the pick. I'm taking King Henry. I'm taking the Titans upsetting the Chargers on the road. The Titans are three-point dogs on the road. So I'm going to go with the Titans. I don't think that's ridiculous, JP. They just got embarrassed by the Jags in a conference game. And what have we've always said? They always bounce back. So I don't I don't think that Chargers off of a huge win, you know, they're they're gonna come back down. I I, I think that I think the way that to attack this Chargers team is through the middle of that defense and I think there's no one in the no one in the league better equipped to run the ball down a team's throat than Derrick Henry. So uh, that's where my faith is for this for this week. Do you think the uh backup running back injury will play a factor at all? No, I think that the the workload for 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 Derrick Henry is just so astronomical that he'll be all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We always appreciate uh, your ear and your time. Uh, Please subscribe and leave us a review. Not only do those reviews mean so much to us, but we love reading them. We love hearing them. We love engaging around um, the folks who who reach out to us uh, and also helps us get found by other people who are searching for new podcasts or ways to avoid their family in this holiday season. Um, So tune in next week, uh, next Thursday, for another episode of Not Another Football Podcast. Signing out. Before we end, also got to say congratulations, Christine, on beating Cam and taking him out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm.